Hello and welcome to The Ravens, a movie and TV show podcast. I'm Simon and I'm honoured this evening to be joined by set decorating legend, friend of the show. I'm considering personal friend of mine as well at this point. Matt Sullivan, you're back for part two. Thank you so much and how have you been? I've been great, Simon. It's uh, wonderful to be here again. Good to see you. Um, happy to, to join in and discuss some Ravens uh, and some, some Dawson's Creek this time. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Well, firstly, for anyone that's listening that hasn't listened to our, our first conversation, then please go back uh, and look through our podcast feed. It was, I think, in February of earlier this year. Um, so scroll back. There was some gems in there. <laughs> that was a good conversation. Uh, went on for quite a while, as I recall. And we had a lot to talk about. Definitely, um, definitely. I just, I was just listening to to some of it back just now, uh, just before we started talking and uh yeah it's so good and it was heavily focused on one tree hill but we also talked about some other great projects that you've uh that you've worked on like my girl and obviously dawson's creek but we kind of touched on dawson's creek very lightly with the with the hopes of having uh a part two but what's also great matt is you're uh the last person we had as a guest on the podcast was Chad Michael Murray. So he was your warm-up act for this episode. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. I'm so glad Chad uh, agreed to do it. That's, that's yeah, wonderful. It was, it was a whole journey. We actually uh, met him in person at a Comic-Con and we went, my co-host and I specifically drove to, to, get, to, to go there to ask him for the interview uh, which he agreed to, and he was so nice, and it was awesome. Uh, but we literally drove from London all the way up to Liverpool and back in a day just to try and get the interview, which he managed to do. But yeah, I like to think he was the warm-up act for you because in all seriousness, um, like you and we've uh, also had on uh, John Nordstrom, who was the composer for One Tree Hill, are really like the unsung heroes of these TV shows uh, and movies that everybody loves. And I don't think you don't really get enough credit or shine for it. So I hope you know how appreciated you are. Uh, that's, that's wonderful to hear. I, I do appreciate that sentiment. Um, uh, you know, it's nice to be recognized occasionally for the very uh, large efforts we put into TV series and movies Um but we all know that the actors are the real reason people tune in. They don't. They don't tune in to see what I put in the background. <laughs> <laughs> well, but they, they go hand in hand, right? Is if you can have great actors that can shine in movies, but and TV, but if the aesthetic and and the feeling and the vibe and everything else doesn't fit as well, it's like a real synergy. So. Um, yeah, that's, I think you... that's true, you know, and, um, I mean, I, I really try to create, and I may have touched on this the last time, but, uh, my goal is always to create an environment, uh, for the actors to perform in and for the director to see his script come to life in, in what is, a an altered reality. Um, you know, I, I don't try to decorate sets so much as I try to create environments uh, and try to make it have the appearance that it's truly a lived in space, whether it's an apartment or someone's home or a hospital or a police station or you know, a spaceship, just whatever the set might be. I try always to make it be 100 percent believable to the actors and the director so that they can live in that space, not just act in it. Yeah. That's such a perfect way of putting it. And so it's not just all because on some newer sitcoms, like, so for example, we just covered boy meets world on our podcast, which we love is like a nineties favorite. And then we watched some of girl meets world, which was the reboot. 
uh, that came out sort of 2014 to 2017. And not to like slander it because it, I'm sure it's a great show for kids watching it in that time. But being like older and looking at a kid show now, the main difference that I I thought was that the sets all looked too fake because it all looked brand new and shiny and there was no and in the 90s aesthetic it felt not like dirty but it felt more realistic as a school and that's going to be a great segue because we have to talk about the schools uh, in Dawson's Creek because I assume you know a lot of set decorating happened within that but before we get there so your we spoke about your journey and your career and progression through the sort of set dressing to set decorating world in our previous conversation um but i assume is you started at a lower level in dawson's creek and then sort of worked your way up is that right like through dawson's creek into one tree hill yes yes um previous you know I, I, when i started in the business i was uh um, typically an onset, either onset dresser or onset standby prop person. Um, you know, so I was actually on the set for all of the filming of the movies and the TV shows that I was doing at that time. Um, a little, a couple of years previous to Dawson's, um, I started be, to be a decorator. And I had done, oh, I don't know, a TV series and probably two or three films before I started working on Dawson's. But at that time, when I first started on the show, I took a job as the buyer for the set deck department. And uh, I did that for about a year, I think, for, for one season. And then the next season, uh, the, that decorator left, and uh, that's when I took over the show as the decorator. Um, so, yeah, I kind of saw it from helping out the, an existing decorator and, you know, the production designer and art director, and then taking the reins myself uh, after that. And so with, with Dawson's Creek specifically, um, did, you did all six seasons, am I right, in some regard? Uh, no, I did not do the first season and a half. I, I came on ha- about halfway through season two. Then I did season three as the buyer as well. And then I decorated seasons four, five, and six. Okay, so, I was so the longest tenured decorator on the show, um, but I was not the first. Or okay, in- awesome. Uh, I mean, so, I mean, I instantly have so many questions, but I'm gonna I need to withhold a little bit because I mean, the first season of Dawson's Creek is is short anyway. It's like a half a season. Um, I think it's maybe like is it like thirteen episodes, twelve episodes, something like that. All right. so okay so when you come into dawson's creek were you already aware of what the show was and its impact because i mean it's something that has been so long standing now but i mean were you aware of that at the time we we knew it was uh becoming a popular show i mean i was you know in the neighborhood so to speak while the first season was being shot. Um, I honestly can't remember what project I was doing at the time when it first began. Um, but I tried to get on it early on because I, you know, a serious job is always uh, nice to have because of the longevity of it. Um, and we could see kind of early on that Dawson's was going to be a hit and that it, you know, you could potentially get several years of work out of it. Um, and then once that first season aired, and it was, you know, all over magazines and pop culture and, you know, very much talked about as uh, the WB's hottest show, um, 
we were well aware of what it was and what its place in the television landscape was going to be. Um, now, that said, we had no clue that it was going to develop the following, the fierce loyalty and the, have the longevity that it has. Um, you know, Simon, to, to this day, I get people emailing me still about, uh, you know, where did you get the the boat bookshelf in Dawson's room? And, um, you know, how did this come together? And uh, what was it like when you, you know, transitioned them to college? And, I mean, people just continually surprise me by how much they hold on to that show. Um, obviously, One Tree Hill the same way. Yeah, well, and they both, the fandom is so loyal, like you said, and there's so many pieces. And the the contrast between them is really interesting in that, so I, on One Tree, so where we podcast One Tree Hill, I'm like the expert that I watched it when I was younger and it was very important show to me. And then I'm showing my friend Dom, who's never seen it and watching it now as like a 35 year old, you know, British man. And we're watching it now and, and getting his perspective on it as a first time viewer. Well, with Dawson's Creek, I had never seen Dawson's Creek until about a year and a half ago. And so... My friend Lex, who unfortunately can't be here tonight, um, she is the expert and I was watching it as the first time viewer. And it's so it's nostalgic to me because obviously I was around in the time that it came out. I mean, I was would have been how old would I have been? I don't know, uh, maybe like 13, 14. So probably in the demographic of people that are watching it or maybe slightly younger um, so it's nostalgic in in it's that period of time. But I was also watching it while my son was maybe six months old. He's like two now. So he would wake up really early in the morning and then I'd get him back to sleep at like 6am and then I'd put an episode of Dawson's Creek on and it'd be quite a soothing thing to watch at that time. So it's got that nice uh, connection now. But what's funny is... One Tree Hill is kind of like Dawson's Creek on steroids, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's all it also looks the aesthetic of it makes it look like it's in a completely different place. Like if I didn't if someone hadn't told me, if I didn't know that it was all shot in Wilmington, I don't think I would have connected those dots together. Like Dawson's Creek feels a lot more out in the sort of countryside or I you know, I guess in in Cape Cod or, or wherever where One Tree Hill doesn't really feel like that. It feels a little, it's still suburban, but feels a little bit more urban at the same time. Was that like a conscious point that that you had when putting together like the sets and everything? It it was um, particularly early on in, in the One Tree universe. Um, you know, <clears throat> um, the showrunner for One Tree Hill, uh, Mark Schwann, uh, really, I mean, <clears throat> he knew that the reason One Tree Hill got put on was essentially as a replacement for Dawson's when its run finished. Um, but he was very concerned with making it a, a departure and a different show and, you know, not being a retread of Dawson's. Um, he was also very committed to trying to get it to run longer than Dawson's did, um, uh, which he successfully did. Um, and uh, so I, th I think there was a little bit of competition there, um, at least in Schwann's mind. Um, and, you know, the, of course, the Kevin Williamson was the showrunner and creator of Dawson's, who... Uh, he he by that point by the end of Dawson's run he had many other irons in the fire um with the Scream franchise and mm. uh multiple other film projects and TV projects um so there was a a conscious effort to make the shows look different um of course you know Dawson's is set in Cape Side Massachusetts essentially Cape Cod. Um, 
And then in the later seasons, we moved the cast to Boston for college. Um, and whereas One Tree Hill is set in North Carolina, in Tree Hill, North Carolina. So, uh, you know, that might as well have been Wilmington. So, which was, which was a nice aspect of it in that we didn't have to hide uh, a lot of the stuff that just is natural to North Carolina and definitely not to Cape Side, Massachusetts. Um, so, yeah, there was a, a definite conscious effort to make them look different. That's so interesting. And, and so you get you get the job on Dawson's Creek as the first thing that you do is to go back and watch all the previous episodes up until that point or do you or did you not need or feel like you needed to do that need to go back and rewatch because remember I had been the buyer for for Dawson's for about a season and a half so I was intimately familiar with the sets that we had and you know how the show was put together um so there wasn't a a big learning curve for me and uh it's you know it was nice that the designer who's a very good friend of mine alan hook um that he trusted me to to take it over um he knew i had decorated a few other projects previously but you know this was now a a network show with a strong following and obviously you know he didn't want to hire somebody that might <laughs> screw it up in in some fashion so it was it was mm-hmm. good the level of trust that we had built and um you know i think we did some some great work together well definitely definitely and with dawson being a like still uh steven spielberg fanatic and wanting to be a filmmaker did you feel like yourself and the you know the crew was it like an easy an easy person to root for and i imagine there were some similarities with everyone being steven spielberg fans and being inspired to work in movies and television like how dawson wants to yeah yeah that was uh that was a great aspect of the character um you know especially for someone like me who also had that kind of childhood like dawson in the sense that I idolized Spielberg and, you know, wanted to make movies like his um, and just was fully enamored with everything about the movie business and specifically his films. So that was extremely easy for me to relate to. And uh, I think for a lot of the crew members, I know Alan Hook as well, you know, he he's a big Spielberg fan as well. So we we always hoped that like Steven Spielberg would come to the set someday and like mm-hmm. surprise us that Kevin Williamson would get him to to agree to come and make a visit, but uh, unfortunately that never did happen. But it was great having movie posters from Steven's movies on the set and um, just kind of building sets around that aspect uh for for one thing we we loved i especially loved doing the set for the um basically the film classroom at boston bay college where dawson went to school in you know for college uh we had a great kind of editing room slash lounge area where uh, the kids worked on their films. And uh, that was just such a fun set to do. We, we made it like our dream of what you would have in film school. Cause a lot of us went to film school. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, I loved there's so there's so much to talk about with specific sets and then particularly the finale which is is like a movie um and the fact that you know it comes all the way back um 
you know, to to the beginning, so to speak, or to Dawson's house and, and all of those things. Um, I did like how in the finale, you kind of, I was wondering whether Spielberg was going to make a quick cameo because it kind of ends with Dawson getting the Spielberg meeting of him going to meet his idol. Um, but do you, uh, speaking of, of Kevin Williamson, who has, as you said, so many uh, successful projects and the Scream movies, like I love those as well um did did you get to to work with him much and because i know he departed and then i think he he came back right for the finale but what what was he like to to work with as a show creator well to to be honest he was not there all that much um which is not an uncommon thing for showrunners uh who's shows are filmed outside of Los Angeles or New York. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he, he oversaw the writing and the writer's room from Los Angeles. And he came out periodically to, to check in. But, uh, you know, our, our executive producer, Greg Prange was uh, steering the ship here in Wilmington for the most part. Um, and Kevin would, would, like I say, come in and we didn't have a tremendous amount of interaction with him. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I think they maybe did a little more so during season one, but since I was not involved with that, I can't speak firsthand about it. Um, Mm -hmm. but we definitely got notes from him and, you know, the um you could clearly tell when a script when you got the first draft of the script and then uh you saw how it evolved under his influence um and by the time we got around to shooting it it was you know it had become a real Dawson's script where it maybe started as something less than Right, right, right. Because I mean, it, the dialogue it all has such a uh, specific uh, vocabulary and tone, and it's kind of known for that, right? For being so wordy, for lack of a yeah. better word, so um, articulate. Um, just the most intelligent teenagers ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the smartest, most insightful, yeah. most incredible. Um, I mean, and that that was something that definitely made its way into One Tree Hill was, I mean, that same kind of just incredible articulation. You know, no no teenagers were ever more in tune with their own feelings and able to articulate them so beautifully as as both mm. the Dawson's gang and the One Tree kids because, whew, they speak like college professors yes Um, yeah exactly but but it's great at the same time because that you have to disdain some form you know of illusion or whatever the the saying is sustain your disbelief to a certain extent but it's also uh, representing how you wish you could talk you know how easily those words could just flow out in those situations so Yeah, the um, I think people watching the show aspired to be that in tune with their feelings and that uh, have that ability to be so fluent with their words, mm. uh, like Cyrano, you know, the <laughs> um, speaking for someone else, uh, just being able to get it all out. And at the same time, they never finished a conversation. Like <laughs> everything was always left hanging so that there could be unrest and, mm-hmm. um, you know, distrust or um, as articulate as they were, they just never would get to the point sometimes. Yeah. It seems. <laughs> yeah. If any, if anything, you're talking too much, like maybe yeah. that's the problem. You're just going in circles. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just get it out already and tell the girl how you feel or tell the boy what's really going on. Don't beat around the bush so much. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, I okay, guess this... no second act, I guess. Or fourth yeah. act. Yeah, true. And, and and I guess in TV it's continually as much as you're developing the story, you're also hoping that the season's going to get renewed for next year and you know, you don't you don't, you don't want to take everything off of the table and wrap it all up otherwise there's nothing left for viewers to come back for. Exactly. It's all about cliffhangers, you know, from episode to episode and even scene to scene, you know. It's a classic soap opera design. I mean, nobody, uh, it shouldn't come as any surprise to anyone that both Dawson's and One Tree are soap operas at their core. Yeah. You know? um, <clears throat> just... A little better than average right 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 exactly because they're not running you know here in the uk we have things like eastenders i don't know if you've heard of it but it runs like four four episodes a week every week year round and it's been running for over 30 years you know that right. like, that's that i don't even know if they rehearse you know before scenes it's just go and so the right. quality is it dilutes but I guess with this, yeah, it's got the professional touches to it. Yeah. Um, what? To, 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 and, some of this. Oh, sorry, gum. I was just going to say I am familiar with EastEnders. I've seen an episode or two. No um, way! How? How is that possible? Does it air on in on BBC America or something? Yeah, I think that's where I've seen it. Um, it must must be. Um, Either that or like public television. Um, it's it's been some time since I saw it, but um, you know, back Isn't in the day, get Monty Python, the Flying Circus on public TV. So that uh, that's used. Oh, that's a sorry. better illustration of what the British can do. Let's not worry too much about EastEnders. Monty Python <laughs> is probably something better for us to be proud of but uh well with right. with regards to some of the the sets um so well am i right in assuming that everything that's actually inside the interior of like the high school let's say in dawson's creek in the earlier seasons is on a is on a sound stage and is that the same for the interiors of like that it within the houses so like in dawson's bedroom and and things like that Yes, um, that is correct. The high school was built on stage, the hallways and a few classrooms and, you know, locker room. I, I, I think we had a locker room on Dawson's. We definitely had one on One Tree. Um, but, yeah, that was all built on stage in Dawson's house, his um, living room and kitchen, uh and Dan were on stage, and then of course his bedroom, the with the window that Joey always climbed through. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mostly shot that on stage, but occasionally they would, um, you know, we had a location for that that was right on uh, the waterway here in Wilmington, and uh, we would occasionally shoot Joey actually climbing the ladder and crawling through an upstairs window at the location house. But we only dressed the window area. Like there wasn't, the whole room wasn't there on location. Okay. Uh, This it just popped into my head and I just wondered as the professional that you are, what you would think about something like this. So as someone that's really into props myself and memorabilia and all these things, I often look on eBay um, for, you know, things that are being sold and all that sort of stuff. And for Dawson's Creek, the person that owns the house that that for the exteriors of Dawson's house, they recently took down the white picket fence that was, that was shot a lot in, in the, uh, in the show. And they, (laughs) They're selling the individual bits of wood. Yeah, the pickets you can buy 
on uh on ebay <laughs> and you can also buy a bit of creek water that will they'll just go outside and put a little bit of the water in like a little test tube thing and send it to you like how does that make you feel that something that you're a part of people love so much that they'll buy a piece of wood that was part of a fence just to yeah. have a piece um that is extraordinary to me that uh people are that enamored with it that they would want to possess uh, a picket that you know came from from the fence i i think it's great it shows the you know the level of commitment people have to that show and it makes me proud to be associated with it um how much are those going for <laughs> uh, I, th- I think they were like 50 dollars or something that's probably <laughs> like a big fence there's probably a- yeah Probably a couple hundred tickets, I would have to think. Is, is there a show or a movie that you are that enamored with, to use your word there, uh, that you would want a, a picket from the fence, you know, of something <laughs> or of something similar? Um, well, there's some, there's some classic films that um, I would you know, certainly love to have some memorabilia from, uh, you know, something from Jaws, say, or Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, Star Wars. Uh, you know, I can't think of specifically what that would be. I mean, if I could get my hands on a, a real lightsaber or, you know, Quince Harpoon. Um, oh, yeah. That would be awesome but uh you know those are uh would be much more valuable than a picket from dawson's fence (laughs) certainly but i do uh i mean at at the end of the day i am a fan as well i mean that's why i got into this business to because i was so in love with the movie making process and the way that film and or television can make you feel, you know, the fact that it can produce such emotional responses, whether it's fright or sadness, or, you know, if it makes you cry or makes you turn away, whatever, you know, those, the ability to create those kind of strong feelings is, is what drew me to film and probably what draws most filmmakers to it. Yeah, definitely. I think as a fan, and for me specifically, I can say growing up is that I always, I always bought into a movie or TV show if I could picture myself as the character within it and identify as that person, and then mm-hmm. that's it. I'm in because I, it's like I feel like I'm watching myself go through these trials and tribulations. <laughs> They're so like such a self-centered way of looking at things but it's definitely i think that's why people love these things is because they feel like they're on the journey as well right right um you know everyone everyone is the hero of their own story um Mm. but most people's story isn't nearly as exciting as the ones that we film for them so you you know see a character that you identify with and you sort of insert yourself into that position, even subconsciously, I think for the most part. Um, But then you can experience all these elaborate situations or, you know, intricate relationships and you don't really have to deal with that, but you can kind of live vicariously through the characters. So that's, That's why storytelling uh, has been popular throughout man's existence. Definitely. And, and so those stories being told through the cast, the cast in Dawson's Creek all have gone on to have, you know, amazing careers, um, you know, since then and continuing to, how did, uh, how was, how was the cast of Dawson's Creek to work with? um, I mean, yeah, the, it's crazy to think. You got James Vanderbeek, Katie Holmes, Joshua Jackson, uh, Michelle Sherlock. Williams. Like, they're all such, like, superstars. Uh, yeah. Yeah, what was that like? Well, uh, 
it was it was great. I mean, all of them were just so happy to be there. Um, honestly, at that point in their careers, you know, they they were just becoming famous then, and it was uh, an extraordinary ride for them. Um, they were all extremely nice and uh, courteous with the crew, and you know, no sense of uh anyone being acting gifted or you know like they were better than anyone else they were all very very familial um and uh it's just uh you know you as their fame grew you could see them becoming a little more guarded um but they they were always a pleasure to work with um, throughout. Um, and just a, another note on that, you know, with Dawson growing up as the huge Spielberg fan, um, it's just interesting to me that now Michelle Williams, who played Jen on the show, is playing essentially Steven Spielberg's mother in The Fablemans. Mm-hmm. Um so that's kind of a full circle change there. Um, that's I awesome. honestly haven't seen that movie yet, but I hear it's wonderful and I, I can't wait to see it. Same. I haven't seen it yet, but I literally read uh, a recommendation for it yesterday saying that it is outstanding. And uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's great. I can't. Yeah, I look forward to to watching that. Well, to talk about some of the specific sets, so I guess a big one must have been the the Potter B and B, because that was yeah. like was was that a again? I'm guessing exterior was real, interior on a soundstage. Uh, the that was actually one set that uh, we actually did the the interior on location. Mm. Um, that house was really dilapidated when we first started shooting there. And we initially just did the exterior. Um, but when they decided that they wanted to have it be a B and B and shoot interiors, uh, we, we wound up working over the holidays during that season. Um, I can't remember if it was Thanksgiving or Christmas, but we had to get that set ready in a hurry. So uh, we did it over the holiday break. Um, Those of us in the art department didn't get time off to be home with our families uh, during that particular holiday. We had to, to work and get that set up and ready to go on location at the, the actual place. Wow. Well, I actually read that they're going to open open it, that building, as an actual B&B or like an Airbnb in real life. Oh, I, th- I think I heard something about that too. Yeah, it's um, it's actually not too far from where I am right now. Um, I live very close to that spot. Um, That's awesome. And crazy that these places still live on. So like, like Trick in One Tree Hill is used for conventions uh, and yeah. things. It's crazy. Yeah, they have a, a shop in Trick now for mm-hmm. One Tree Hill memorabilia and such. I love it. We'll be there. As soon <laughs> when we're in Wilmington, we're going to all these places and we're taking you to Trick and buying you a beer or whatever the drink was, the brain freeze thing that Chase used to make in One Tree Hill. We're buying you all of them. Uh, um, yeah. So they they so in Dawson's Creek, like you said, they go over to to Boston, but obviously they're not in Boston. They're still in Wilmington. Was was it challenging, or did you, was it like a, a welcome challenge? And you know, it's fun to switch these things up, or were you like dreading it? Uh, no, we we embraced it. Um, you know, Wilmington is not a particularly big city, um, so there's only a few limited areas that you can shoot for uh, Boston or New York city, which, you know, 
half the projects that come here need one or the other, it seems, or Chicago, you know, they, there always seems to be some kind of a need for a big city look here. And, uh, when you come to town, I'll show you where those are. They're right downtown on front street, um, and, and third street. Uh, so that's where the bulk of the shooting to sell Boston was, uh, down on front street. Uh, we would put out our Boston Bay, uh, college banners on the light posts and, and the Worthington university banners when that was appropriate. Um, and, you know, we've, we've been, for whatever reason, faking Massachusetts here a lot in our film history. Um, you know, Dawson's Creek, uh, I, the show I recently did this past summer, which is called High Town, uh, that's on the Stars Network, and that show is set in Cape Cod. Um, mm-hmm. Just seems like that keeps coming up. Uh, so, to going back to your question, we it was a challenge, but we embraced it and uh, we enjoyed trying to make that work. Um, well, it looked wonderful. It looked great. Well, the and just to kind of segue off of that. Um, Joey's college, Worthington, was actually at Duke University, which is in Durham, North Carolina. Um, so about two and a two hours and change away from here. So when we shot there, uh, that was a you know a few overnights uh, away from Wilmington to to shoot there. We would typically. Sh- shoot for like two days up there um mostly exteriors but sometimes interiors like in the library or some classroom something like that but then of course we had the the dorm rooms and such built here on stage for that Mm. crazy Uh, okay and then there were also some really massive moments uh, in Dawson's Creek that I obviously I wasn't watching it in the time that it was in in like the early 2000s sort of late 90s but I imagine watching it must have been really really big like particularly Jack's storyline in coming out as gay and then all of the you know atrocities and prejudices that he came across um but there mu- there must have been some big TV moments like with, uh, I don't know. I mean, I might be making this up, but I assume it would have been an early example of a male, uh, screen kiss was, uh, were those things, was that like, a, were they like big moments to be filming and to be part of something that was, uh, you know, pushing those, those boundaries. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was, it was, uh, you know, certainly controversial material, um, particularly at that time, you know, when it wasn't nearly as uh, normalized as it is now. Um, so, yeah, we felt the the weight of the situation, um, you know, and it was um, kind of a courageous performance by Kerr to uh, – to you know embody that character and i know he probably took a little heat um you know and not necessarily that people were imagining one way or the other things about his own life but i mean it's still a challenge to to play a part like that when uh it's so scrutinized by the public um, so yeah, we knew that was uh, kind of a, a pivotal moment in television history. Um, Definitely, and and as you said, play the performances are so good. It's so powerful. Uh, the emotions uh, are coming through. It's so yeah, and so important to to the show. And yeah, again, something like a big moment in TV history. I'm sure so. That's really cool. Yeah. 
And then equally, my big moment in TV history and Dawson's Creek history is the finale, which I think is such a good finale. Like we did a live watch along with some of our listeners and like we had people from all over the world, Australia, America, Canada, the UK, and there were no dry eyes around the Zoom. Everyone, the people were a mess, a mess. Um, <laughs> it was so well done. It ended so well. The whole, the love triangle finally figured itself out. I mean, what was that like to, to film? It was essentially like a, a, a movie. It, it was. It was a two-part episode, I believe. Um, and it was probably uh, hands down the most expensive uh, pair of episodes in the series. And um, it was challenging. We had to build a number of sets um, for that in a short period of time. Um, and they they actually went to Paris for like one or two shots of Joey. Um, we didn't get to go, but um, but they sent a, a camera over there. Um, and uh, of course, Katie. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, that was an all hands on deck situation because it was like a, a small feature shooting those two episodes there at the end. And and it's so good. Like I, I really enjoyed the finale. I, mean, I enjoyed the whole show, but I really, enjoyed, I thought it ended really strong. And you know, sometimes the note that it gets left on can impact how you remember the entire experience, even if that's not the case. But it ended so strong that it makes you feel like yes, perfect. And you very kindly have sent me because uh, I was asking you you know off microphone about some of the stuff that that you guys made with uh the creek the creek being the fictionalized show that uh dawson is the the showrunner for and they're so good and i paused it while we were watching the finale because i saw your name on the uh on one of the posters and i was <laughs> like matt yes and i sent you a picture of it i mean how how much um how much input do you have with these or is this like more towards the art department? And did it, is that something that is often done with putting like your guys' names in there and little Easter eggs? Yes, absolutely. Um, there are very often little Easter eggs like that where there's crew names used uh, in a plaque that's on the wall or um, the desk blocks for, you know, a bullpen full of police detectives or something um, on movie posters like that. Um, and uh, in that, that particular case, that is more so the art de department, the art director and the graphic designer come up with those, um, you know, the fake magazine covers that I sent you earlier today and those movie posters. Um, oftentimes I have ideas for things like that and get the graphic designer to implement them. Um, you know, kind of share my thoughts with the designer and uh, the art director and then get the graphic designer to make them. But uh, in that particular case, the majority of those posters were all the work of Alan Hook and Bill Davis, our designer and art director. They're so good. They're so good. It completely made my day. Like I, I this is the stuff that I like. I love and I live for. Um, and having, they're just like, unless you know, then you know, and if you don't know, then it, it does it just you wouldn't even pay it any second mind and i love things like that that it's like you have to be on the inner circle to get it so i'm so right. grateful and I, i've said obviously i highlighted it on our previous episode but the one tree hill post is pride of place up here i'm about to move house soon uh with my wife obviously i don't know why i added that i'm not moving house without her that would be <laughs> that wouldn't be good um and I've got like a bigger space that I'm going to have for uh, like my, believe it or not, this is my office, <laughs> but um, my home office. 
And I can't wait to just display these things in different ways. I'm just very geeky with this stuff. I'm so grateful for you're fueling it. You're fueling my geekiness. I and mean, my wife will probably hate you, but that's that's fine. <laughs> How does your wife feel about it? As long as it's contained in this room, it's fine. You know, it doesn't make it out into the rest of the house. I don't. I don't want to ha- her to have it out for me. <laughs> no, she loves your, it. Your desires. Um, <laughs> no, I'm happy to do it. Um, and when you when you actually come here, uh, I'm sure you'll leave with armloads of memorabilia, and oh I, I might have a thing or two I can pass off to you as well. Oh God! Wow. I... I can't wait. I'll have to bring you things. I'll bring you uh, very British things, like yeah. jars of Marmite and things. Have you ever heard of Marmite? Marmite. Is that similar to Vegemite? Yeah, it's like the Vegemite's the Australian version, and Marmite's oh. like the British version. You spread it on like toast and sandwiches, and it's very much like you love it or you hate it situation. Well, I've, I've never tried Vegemite. Um but I'll be happy to try some Marmite if if you bring me some. <laughs> uh, I'm going to bring you all of the British things. I'm going to bring you a whole gift basket of super British stuff. I, all I, have, things you have, British. All things British. Yeah, well, and that's a good question. Have you ever uh, had the opportunity to, to work abroad, like outside of the US? Uh, I have. Um, not in the UK, unfortunately. Um, and I've never been to... Britain. Uh, I've been to France and Germany, um, and Holland, but not, not to, uh, Britain. So I I would love to go to London sometime and Liverpool. I'm a huge Beatles fan. So, ah, excellent. Well, I live just outside of London. So, uh, if you ever, if you ever come to the UK, then I'd love to tour you around and show you all the things and, uh, yeah, I'd love to host you. So that would that'd be awesome. That'll I'll put that on the list for sure. Um, but I, I have worked outside of this country um, on a couple of different occasions. The most dramatic of which is uh, I did a movie called Flight of the Phoenix. Oh uh, yeah, that was shot in Africa, in Namibia, Africa, and. Uh, in the desert there uh, at one of the, well, the largest sand dune in the world, Dune 7 in the Namibian desert. Um, So I was there for about five months, I think, five or six months. And uh, we shot that movie, which is Dennis Quaid was in it. Mm. And um, Tyrese Gibson and... Um, bunch of I, other... I seen it. I loved it. I remember watching it when it came out. I think I saw it in the cinema, even. Yeah, and it, it was a remake of the um, film of the same name uh, that starred Jimmy Stewart, which was made in the fifties, I believe. So, yeah, that was a cool experience being in Africa and seeing the whole social strata there. It was. Uh, culturally just fascinating um yeah i bet that's a long time to to be there as well and to be working on that project yeah that's that's a kind of the cool thing about working in film and television when you do go on location um you're typically there long enough to really get an idea of how the people live there you know it's not it's a lot different than being on vacation somewhere where you're just there for a few days and you get the surface view of how things work. Um, when you're literally working there every day for months, you, you get a much broader and better perspective on what life is like in those places. Yeah, definitely. And so you've worked on so many different projects Dawson's Creek and One Tree Hill, I'm assuming, are some of the ones that you've worked for the longest period on, because like you said, being TV shows, does one hold a greater place in your heart than the other? Like, can you pick 
between them or they're both no we're not going to allow you to pick both which one if you had to pick one <laughs> um well guess that's i've never considered that um i if, one tree hill i was i was on uh longer um you know i decorated six seasons of that um out of nine and <clears throat> Uh, three seasons of, of Dawson's. I would say probably Dawson's takes the lead in, for me, just in, for two reasons. One is uh, that was first. And, um, you know, you, you always remember your first love. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm kidding, but I, I, I do have a soft spot for that show. Um, and secondly, because of what we discussed previously, the whole Spielberg angle of it and the fact that Dawson was such a uh, Spielberg aficionado and I consider myself to be one as well. Yeah, great answer. I mean, just to throw back to that point, because I've just been reminded now, is it fun to do sets within sets where you know Dawson's filming something, so you, he's on set, but obviously you he's on an actual set because you're also filming that. Like, is that quite easy because you're just using the stuff that's around anyway, or is it actually a bit more complicated? Um, it's it's no harder than any other set. Um, it's just using different materials. Um, it does it does make it kind of easier because I suppose just because if if especially if you need like an offset look for his like you know oh there's a bedroom set over here but we're on the back side of it where we have video monitors set up and a camera and lights you know we'll typically use gear that we already have for filming the actual show and just stuff that's not in use at the time will be redeployed to fill in for that and then you can always shoot the back of a set um that maybe actually is dawson's bedroom but if you don't see the inside of it you don't know um that that came up on one tree hill as well um if you remember uh the julian character was also a filmmaker and uh we had to do similar things with with him uh, mm-hmm. we had production offices for his movie and um, it just happened to be that we used one of the empty office hubs at the studio someplace where another picture wasn't set up so we just set it up like that was his production office and, mm-hmm. and you also had James Vanderbeek come back and do a couple episodes as like a crazy director which i'm guessing was like you know kind of sort of like an inside joke of this is what dawson became he was so sweet and the boy next door and now he's like doing cocaine and is a crazy director <laughs> i thought it was a fun a fun twist on it yeah yeah that was definitely the point of of that you know poking fun at dawson um and that i've i'd forgotten about that but it was it was good to see james vanderbeek again at that point when when he came in to do that that was good stuff you know something i really noticed as a first time dawson's creek watcher after knowing one tree hill so so well is how much one tree hill let's say borrowed from dawson's creek like storyline wise i mean the shows actually end almost in the exact same way like julian's making a a one tree hill show dawson's making the creek about dawson's creek there's loads of little pieces along the way that one tree hill kind of just took and then like expanded upon and i'm not i'm not hating on it i mean i love both of the shows i think it's great and they're done in different ways but it's funny how there was some borrowed material and maybe it's because a lot of the crew maybe moved over as well. A lot of the same crew were involved with both projects, um, but not, not the writers. Um, 
I mean, I don't, I don't think any of the writers that came from Dawson's were on one tree. I'd have to research that, but, um, but yeah, there's a lot of story elements and plot lines that are very similar um, to the two shows. And I think Schwann, as, as much as Mark Schwann wanted his show to be different and better than Dawson's, uh, you know, I think he also <clears throat> knew what it was about Dawson's that made it successful. And so he certainly picked up on that and borrowed certain elements, I'm sure. I mean, you know, Lucas, not only does, well, Julian's making, isn't he making the film of Lucas's book? It's, mm-hmm. um, so they're both like essentially Dawson. <laughs> yeah, they're both blonde-haired, blue-eyed, you know, articulate, emotional lead protagonists. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it works, and it does feel different. And uh, I, I think Dawson's Creek just feels a bit more, like, quaint, you know, not like Little House on the Prairie, but just, like, a little bit more, like, innocent, let's say. And One Tree Hill is a bit more, like... I don't know, uh, uh, just a bit more edgy, I guess. And I guess if they did it, if I watch a teen drama now, it'd probably be even edgier than One Tree Hill, you know, it just evolves with the times. Right. I guess it would have to be um, sort of like which, and I haven't seen it at all, but uh, Riverdale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that has kind of a supernatural element to it too, but I'm sure those teenagers are, super articulate and probably (laughs) much edgier even than the one tree hill folks were um -hmm. i mean you know dawson set the bar pretty high high for edginess early on with uh pacey having an affair with one of his teachers in in the first couple episodes of the show um yeah and then having you know jack come out um that was edgy to be sure. Um, and Jen being pregnant, um, you know, Dawson's kind of did everything first. So mm-hmm. uh, one tree kind of had to be over the top in order to, you know, not be a retread, so to speak. So there yeah. was, I mean, nobody f- failed so spectacularly or succeeded so monumentally as the kids on one tree hill i mean everything they did either burst into flames and you know went down in epic fashion or was a phenomenal raging success that you know couldn't be repeated yeah um, we've spoken about that a lot about how um and you know it's part of the times and it's you know part of the disbelief i guess but it it in one tree hill in season five when they come back after the time jump there is this uh position of you need to know that 20 not all 22 year olds have an international fashion line or just almost made the nba or just wrote a best-selling novel i mean when i was 22 I hadn't done anything yet. You know, I hadn't accomplished anything. It took take a good few years to even find my career and find all of the other things. You know, you don't usually really even fully understand yourself until you're about 30, really, and get in touch with, you know, the sort of person you are and who you like and putting up all of them barriers. And again, I think I, I always look at One Tree Hill and Dawson's Creek and imagine that they're like 10 years older I think then you're kind of in where you need to be. But, you know, again, it's wonderful entertainment and it gives so much to talk about. Like we, we, when we podcast an episode of One Tree Hill, we spend almost three hours talking about one episode because there's so much to talk about. Right. But it is all, it is all out of love and passion for something that you, you know, help to, to create and bring to the screen. So yeah, very grateful for your work 
for you talking now um you know and continuing with what you're doing I mean, where where can people find you um and uh, you're you're on instagram right i am on instagram yeah uh matt Saul set deck uh is my handle there um i confess i don't keep up with it nearly as much as i should um i need to develop more of a social media platform but uh I just, I'm, when I'm working, I'm so busy. It's just virtually impossible to keep up with. Um, and then when I'm not worthy of working, I, uh, I don't think to, to keep at it. And that's uh, something I should do. Oh, well, you don't but, need it. You're obviously, you know, you've got, you are obviously successful a million times over without having to put it, you know, to be out there like that all the time. But I will say there are some great pictures that you've got on your Instagram, you know, like behind the scenes of, you know, some of the sets and things and lots of things from One Tree Hill. So people should get over there, follow, look, like all of those things. And I just can't thank you enough for your time. I still got so many millions of other things to talk to you about, but I, I'll pace them out. So I, hopefully I can have you back again. Uh, but sincerely, our previous conversation, our conversation now, some of my favorite ones uh, that I've ever had uh, on the podcast. And yeah, super grateful for your your kindness, your generosity and your time. I'm happy to do it, Simon. It's uh, it's fun sharing these stories and info with you, and uh, reminiscing about you know these shows that are uh, uh, so much a part of my professional existence. Um, they really have gone a long way toward forming my style as a decorator, um, and uh, you know they're they're. It's great to be associated with things that people love so much. Definitely. And they definitely do. And they will forever. Like, it's never going to go away either. People are just discovering the show now. So many people discovered One Tree Hill and Dawson's Creek in lockdowns and helped get people through those periods. It's just never going to stop. So, yeah, there you go. There's a lasting legacy forever. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, well, thank you, and, uh, yeah, well, thank you, and we'll speak to you soon. Okay, I'm happy to come back whenever you'd like, so happy holidays.